Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. In this week's episode, we will talk about the reactions from various Michigan coaches and athletes to what's going on in the country, the latest on the likelihood of a football season this fall, and news on the recruiting front. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, good to be with you. Ryan, welcome back. Thanks. Yeah, what a week to be off, huh? I mean, when I was off, we got into what I did immediately, but that's because it was me. For you, we'll push it to more than middle <laughs> yeah. of the podcast, if that's okay. That's fair uh, enough. There's more pressing things to talk about this week, I think. Sure. I mean, you know, one of the first things that you know I wanted to say, we all want to say, is that you know many of our MLive colleagues, as well as fellow journalists at other media outlets around the state and around the country, um, you know, have been covering protests you know this, this past week and you know some have been injured some have been arrested uh you know at the very least you know many of them have, have been in harm's way let's say that and uh you know we just wanted to say we're, we're grateful for their coverage uh you know want them to know that uh we're thinking of them even if they might not be listening to this podcast we want our listeners to know that we're thinking about uh our colleagues who are in harm's way yeah absolutely well said yeah we had one perfect example in MLive. I mean, Nicole Hester, a photographer, uh, she was in Detroit the other night documenting the, the protest down there. And I think she took a, took a rubber bullet, to, several rubber bullets, one of which just missed her eye, I guess. There's a photo of it, and it looked pretty, yeah. it looked pretty dire. I mean, I, I'd feel for her. I hope she's all right. Absolutely, man. It's, it's, it's scary. And it, I feel like, I don't know if you guys, do you guys ever feel this way? I won't, I won't speak for you. I'll say that. I know I can sometimes feel like the work that I'm doing in times like this is kind of meaningless. Agreed. Do you, Agreed. Do you ever feel that? So, but like, I guess I just started thinking about it more. Like people do treat sports as an escape, as entertainment. So like, I, I definitely got emails like to that effect, I guess not this, this past week, but like during the, the pandemic, you know, when there weren't sports happening and, really all the news coverage was focused on one thing. And that was a, was a bad thing that was happening. Uh, you know, people still like reading about, you know, okay, your take on the point guard situation for next year or Michigan football, the latest recruit, things like that. I mean, they still, they still like that. Um, so I, I do think of that. And the other thing I think of is that, you know, sports are often like, you know, an arena for, for change, like in, in society, like social issues. I mean, there's, there's countless examples from Jesse Owens and the, 
36 Olympics, Jackie Robinson to, you know, mm-hmm. modern day athletes, you know, protesting social causes. It's, I think that's partly because, you know, sports are like a true meritocracy, at least it should be. Um, so I don't know. There, there's still a place for, for the work we're doing, I guess. And I, I hope, I guess I hope listeners, you know, still find it, um, you know, valuable during this time, even, you know, even completely understanding that, uh, it's not the most important thing, but we did sort of have an intersection uh, of those two those two topics here just yesterday in Ann Arbor. Tuesday, there were protests um, in Ann Arbor related to uh, you know the the killing of George Floyd, and uh, you know in, down Main Street went right in front of the Michigan Stadium at one point, and um, you know Jim Harbaugh was was a part of that as well as you know several other athletes involved with the Michigan athletic program. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm not surprised, especially after this the la- the way the last I don't know five or six days have, have played out. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. the George Floyd protests kind of began last week, and and one of the first college football coaches in in the country to kind of speak out was was Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, he went on uh, Rich Eisen's show, I think it was last Thursday, and it was it was an interesting exchange because up until that point you know Eisen had been asking you know Jim about whether when he when he thought football would come back and everything else and and then he, he kind of asked him what he was reading or what what he was reading and what he was watching and, and Jim kind of flipped the subject and brought up the George Floyd uh, killing mm-hmm. um, at that point it had only been a few days old I mean it, it was starting to dominate the news coverage but it wasn't everything um, and, but Jim you know he fe- he, saw, he called it outrageous he felt like um, you know, a murder happened. He, he was, and he said he was looking forward to an investigation, and, and and charges being pressed. So he was one of the first ones. He followed up again um, on Sunday as kind of, you know, the, the protests had, had broken out across the country. It, by that point on the weekend, it had dominated news coverage on all the cable networks and everything else. Um, but he, you know, came out and tweeted on Sunday, and, and as I noted, you know, in my story on Mike.com, it was his first tweet in almost six months. Jim had, uh, you know, practically at least from a message standpoint that it abandoned Twitter. I mean, keep in mind when he was hired here at Michigan early on, he was very active. He was, you know, he was, he was, it wasn't afraid to put his thoughts out there. He wasn't afraid to respond to other people and coaches. And he, but anyway, he'd been silent, but he went on there Sunday and, and praised his, his sons, um, James Jr. And Jay Harbaugh as assistant coach, uh, his daughter, Grace, uh, because they had been coming out uh, in support um, of social justice reform against the killing of George Floyd. So anyway, Harbaugh took, took part in this this protest on this march on Tuesday. Um, he was joined by several of his players uh, that, are, that are still here in Ann Arbor. Several of his staff members were there as well. I haven't gotten a full list. I you know I reached out to a Michigan football uh, team spokesman on Tuesday, and he didn't even know how many people were there. But anyway, there, there were photos that popped up and several players, several coaches. And, and I think it, it – it, it follows a pattern with Jim that he has not only since he's gotten to Michigan, but even before that, I mean, he's been, he's been pro, um, you know, and Josh Gass did a good job. I think of encapsulating this all over the weekend, you know, yep. he's black players as quarterbacks before he's, he's been in favor of, of issues that, that, um, you know, supported minorities. And this is, this is just another example of that. Yeah. He, he's an interesting guy. I don't think anyone could deny that even like the, you know, rival fans or or people who who you know just don't don't like him as as maybe for him as a coach or, or whatever like he marches to his own beat you know and then like his, his various views i don't don't necessarily like fall into one political category right. or another I, I think he sees what, what's right and, and that's that this is how i feel so yeah he, he he did march on tuesday and i think i think it's worth pointing out to sort of a, a lighter moment it was damn near 90 degrees here sunny 
And Harbaugh, of course, is in his trademark long khaki pants. I mean, I, that's just what his closet is. It's, it's like Superman's closet, I guess. It's just all the same thing, pretty much. Um, he did have the wing, the winged helmet, uh, uh, a mask on, I, I noticed. But, but yeah, Aaron, I think you were, uh, that was notable, the Josh Gaddis's tweet, you know, about you know, the, the whole Harbaugh family. I mean, it was, it, was, mm-hmm. it was Jim, his brother John, their father Jack, you know, giving opportunities uh, to black people as far as hiring them as coaches. Gaddis would be would be among that group, you know, and yes, using black quarterbacks, which I don't know, it may seem like not a big deal in 2020, but, you know, you, you do some research on that, you'll know that, that that's not exactly the case. So, yeah, I know I know Isaiah Livers was there from from the basketball team, but yeah, probably a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily know if they weren't posting it on social media or we didn't happen to see a photo. Um, none of us were there personally. So, yeah, it was, uh, it has I, I, been, uh, you know. And let me point out, I, I think for the first time since I've started covering this team back in 2017, you know, I, I tweeted out the photo yesterday and and it got a lot of reaction. Um, and I will say, and I can, I can honestly say it was about 99.9% positive from everyone. I, I saw tweets from, from Michigan state fans, from Ohio state fans, people that, that normally are anti Harbaugh. Um, they, they came out in favor of them. And it was, it was wild to see so many responses from people who say, normally I root against him. I, I don't like this Jim Harbaugh. I don't like, don't like Michigan. And yet today, you know, they would do hashtag go blue and, and go Michigan and things. So it was, it was, it was comforting to, to see that. I think for the first and per, perhaps maybe last time um, in, in Jim Harbaugh's tenure. Yeah, and to, to Andrew's point earlier, I just uh, about athletes speaking, I feel like this incident more than any others that athletes are finding their voice and speaking out and coaches and athletes are speaking more and more about this issue um, compared to any other past incident that I can remember. I mean, whether it's, um, pro leagues, college athletes. Um, it's it just the um, ever ever since this uh, the George George Floyd was killed, I feel like there's been an outpour of uh, athletes um, speaking their minds uh, on the subject. So, oh, we spoke to Jay Harbaugh last week, the the running backs coach uh, at at Michigan. Um, and special Ryan, team you were not a you, and special teams coordinator. Okay, thank you. There always there are these titles are always changing. I can't keep up. Um, <laughs> Zook, you were not a part of it because you know you were you were on furlough last week. Uh, how was that, by the way? It was nice. It was it was a good start to the week, refreshing. I tried to stay off Twitter for a few days. Got four rounds of golf in. Um, spent the week at my parents, helped out with some yard work, did some research into investing. Um, so just kind of finished a book that I've been reading for a few years. It seemed like uh, it wasn't a good book. I was just trying to push through and. But then it's it was hard to stay off Twitter once the, all this news started happening. It's like, oh my god, like I was so drawn in, but at the same time, I'm like just try and like put it out of mind for a little bit. But it was hard to do. But overall, uh, it was it was what it was. So we had some good rounds of golf, so some pretty nice weather overall, and and we're back to work this week. I missed you guys dearly. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unnecessary. I know. Sorry. Uh, I did that a little you bit. Didn't, you didn't need a haircut because you had already gotten one, uh, as opposed to Aaron, who comes with a fresh cut uh, for this week's episode. Guy traveled uh, across state lines <laughs> to go get a haircut. And yeah, I guess there's anyone on this law. pod who's desperate to do that. It's it's this guy, and I haven't done it. Uh, is that breaking the law? Are you allowed? I guess we were in a stay-at-home order, right? No, a stay-at-home order has been lifted. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. 
But yeah, I went down there. It was it was actually an interesting experience. Uh, they the place <laughs> I went, um, they stopped you at the door before you even got in the door. Like I couldn't even enter the, the place before someone came out, took my name. They they limited it to the number of uh, limit to six people in the store. Every and every other uh, stall was being used. So it was it was interesting, um, unique experience. I had to wear a face mask, obviously. Yeah. I mean, well, it's pretty anyway. reassuring to hear though at least yeah though, like what to expect maybe for us moving forward so yeah i thought they handled it well i felt and i was telling my friends i felt more comfortable in there than i did you know walking through Meyer or kroger where you know you have the one-way aisles marked but people aren't abiding by them and people are all over you and i don't know so it was fine yeah well zook's out so i slide in to the second spot uh on the michigan uh, on the conference call with, with jay harbaugh because as we've probably discussed on this podcast before, the um, uh, pecking order for Michigan football coverage at MLI was made very clear to us uh, when we brought Ryan on. Uh, <laughs> if I'm recalling it correctly, Aaron was 1A, Ryan was 1B, and then our boss turns to me and he goes, Andrew, you're, and I figure I'm getting 1C. Nope, we went away from letters and moved to numbers. <laughs> I was 2. 1A, 1B, <laughs> and then 2. So anyway, Ryan was out. I slide in. And uh, I got to say, I mean, I, I sort of stole the show. Not me, but my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter saying happy birthday to Michigan football uh, SID Dave Abloff. And uh, I don't know. People are just saying I, I should be on every time now going forward. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What? Oh, jeez. Dave, Dave was left speechless for a couple of minutes. He was face he was turned red. and Truly oh. stunned. I, I saw a tear well up in his <laughs> eye, I think. It was. The conster playing the woo factor on, on us, I guess. Man. She heard I I think Angelique say happy, say happy birthday. And then just like, boom, trigger in her brain. Like, Oh, happy somebody's birthday. I'm singing my favorite song. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, my wife was, was working. So I kind of just, you know, sat next to her on the couch while she watched a movie. Now I'm wondering, okay, even if my wife is available to watch her the next time there's one of these, I mean, maybe she should just be used as a prop. It's shameless, but I'll do it. <laughs> uh, did, did she ask Jay Harbaugh any questions? She she did not. She piped. She started talking, of course, when I unmuted my mic to ask the question because she's like, you know, who are you talking to or whatever? She started singing happy birthday again. And I, I started laughing and Jay said something in response, but I couldn't quite hear what he said, even on the on the recording. I, I couldn't quite make out what he said, but he's got you, two young kids, so he gets it. But anyway, what did Aaron, what would you say we, we, we learned from Jay? We'd already talked to the offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, but, you know, Jay went in a little more in-depth on his position groups, the running backs, and like you said, special teams. Yeah, uh, he did confirm that Christian Turner is healthy and, and ready to go. Um, I don't think there was much concern about him, but he, he did miss the last couple of games last season, so he's healthy and good. Um, I think the biggest takeaway I took from him was, and I, I think I followed up when I, when I asked about it, but uh, he wants the running backs, specifically uh, Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Hoskins, Michigan's two leaders last year in ball, and when it came to uh, rushing the football, was he wants bigger, more explosive runs from them. I think he called them home runs as opposed to, I don't know what he would call them, a, a double. Yeah, well, we all miss baseball. You know? Yeah, right. Um, but he, he basically said he wants, you know, as opposed to the 7 to 15-yard runs, he wants, you know, those more those larger runs. You know, I went back and, and crunched numbers. Michigan averaged last season in 2019. Uh, 3.96 yards per carry, uh, ranked 89th nationally. Um, you know, it was, I think, I'm looking at the numbers right now, eighth in the Big Ten. So it wasn't, from a, from an explosive standpoint, Michigan just didn't, didn't really get it. In part, I think, was because of the inexperience with the running backs, um, their inability maybe to read defenses, um, you know, that's 
find lanes and, and, and part of it probably too was the first year offense. I mean, they're still, everyone's still learning the, how they were, how they were doing things. Um, so anyway, so they're looking for more production, the, the running backs. I think that's no secret. Um, but the key to that it, from, from Jay's perspective is, is getting those bigger runs. Um, no one, none of Michigan's running backs had, had, had more than 50 yard carry or had, yeah, had bigger than 50 yard carries last year. Charbonnet himself averaged 4.9 yards per carry. Hassan Haskins averaged 5.1. So not bad. Um, but next year, I think with with a larger workload and more carries with those two, I think they're they're expecting more um, from from both. I remember right, we wrote all wrote about this at times last year that that explosive was the word that that Michigan used. I don't know if that was a Gaddis thing or whatever, but you know they had a very specific measure for it. It was it was a certain number for pass 12, plays. Was, yeah, yeah, different for runs. For running, yep. There you go. And and they weren't they weren't really hitting their goals. And you just saw that. You saw that when like they played Alabama, or if you watch these bowl games, you know, LSU, like, you know, the best teams in the country, like, you know, when everything is blocked correctly and, and they get the matchups they want, they hit it. They hit it big. I mean, they put six on the board, or at the very like least, strike you know, offenses, man. Yeah, or you get a chunk that's like 40 yards. You know, you move from your end of the field to the other team's, you know, red zone, say. Um, and for Michigan, yeah, too many times it was like everything looked perfect. And it just it resulted in a big play, but yeah, not not big enough. And you just put more, yeah, more strain, more pressure on your offense. To you know, the longer you're out there to try to you know, okay, gotta make some happen again. Now it's you know first and ten, but it, you know at midfield instead of you know again you know already in the end zone or whatever. So I think that was a very valid point by uh, it, by Jay Harbaugh. It was, and I went back and looked, and between Hoskins and Charbonnet, again, Michigan's two leading rushers last year, they, they combined for four carries of 30 yards or more. So they only had four of those big run, game-changing, drive-changing runs. And, and mm. I think they're going to need more of that next year, especially given the unknowns at quarterback um, and the offensive line. Uh, now, now, I think from what we've heard from Josh Gaddis and, and Jay Harbaugh the last few weeks is – you know, while the offensive lines, you know, uncertainly they don't know exactly who's going to start at this point. It's more equipped for the run game. So I think, I think moving forward, Michigan, I think they're going to have to lean on the running backs, and they're going to try to. And for the offense to succeed and have you know those 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 drives where they're able to score quickly, they're going to need more of that. So it's it's going to be a task. I certainly, and I, I you know them not having spring doesn't help. But several of these guys are you know more experienced. Hassan, Charbonnet, and Haskins are all back. We've seen Chris Evans in the past, um, so we'll, we'll see. But it certainly sounds like Jay Harbaugh wants, you know, not only more production, but bigger, you know, bigger production from these guys. And so. I think it's important to know, too, that a couple of years ago with Teron Hayden, I feel like that he offered that big playability. I remember uh, multiple instances where he, he broke off 40, 50, 60-yard runs. Uh, and, yeah, like like Aaron said, yeah, you didn't really have that with, with any of the, the backs last season and this year especially adding Chris Evans in the mix and maybe Blake Corm, who seems to be more of a, a big hitter type of guy uh, that might change in, in 2020. Is there anything else from, from Jay Harbaugh that, that is pressing or uh, we've got some recruiting um, talk to get to, but not a ton. I mean, he, he, he went on about Chris, he asked about Chris Evans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Evans obviously is going to play a factor in some regard. You know, he, he um, he did say, you know, obviously while the, the offense has changed since Chris has been on the team, he, he did recognize, and I think you wrote about it, Andrew, he did recognize mm-hmm. some of the plays that they, they run in the past. He, he's, he's familiar, obviously, with a lot of the concepts that run at the collegiate level, so I think that helps him. But the question moving forward for Chris, and we've, I think, hit on this in the past, but, you know, is he game ready? Is he in game shape? And is he, um, you know, is, is, he, is, he gonna, is he ready to be that, that, that top back that Michigan needs? I mean, he's been out of football now for 
gosh, 18 months. I mean, by the time this fall rolls around, it'll be almost two, you know, it'll be going on two years. So uh, that reacclimation process is going to be key. And again, he loses that because they didn't have practice in the spring. So um, special, I guess special teams too, as obviously as I noted earlier, special teams be new special teams coordinator this season, given that Chris Partridge departed um, back in January for Ole Miss. Um, you know, he it's it, the, the return game is up in the air at this point. They, they got several guys they, they, they could use there. Giles Jackson, Mike Sand was still Blake Corum was thrown out there. Chris Evans, his name was thrown out there. Um, and then the kicking game too is again, up in the air. So they, so they say, um, they, they're calling it a competition at the place kicking job. They're calling it a competition at the punt job too. Um, I, I, I could see them alternating more at field goals again, like they did last year with Jake Mooney and Quinn or Dean. Um, but I think the punt, the punt, the punt position, I think it, they called the competition last year. I think it's, I don't think it'll be a competition again. All right. Well, we've got, uh, we've got some recruiting news has been, been happening. I'll just quickly say there's really uh, on the basketball front, no, no commits yet still for the 2021 class, but plenty of offers still going out. And that's just for 2021, which is, you know, this, this next class, the kids that are going to be seniors in high school. Um, but also 2022, and even the 2023 class, uh, in some cases, Juwan Howard has extended some offers to those kids that are going to be high school sophomores. Um, so, yeah, you know, including most of them big names, you know, top top 100 kids in the country. But no, still no commits yet, which is not, I mean, not not unusual by any stretch. Uh, but uh, that's about it. But football, there's been uh, a little different. Uh, there's been still it seems like weekly you get you get another one or two and michigan's up to 17 now 18. 17 in this class yeah last week when i was off like three commitments on like, what the, what the heck's going on and then sure enough i get back on a monday and and there's another one in in uh, offensive tackle tristan bounds uh, a three-star prospect from connecticut and um figures to be in in the left tackle conversation at some point down the line he's more of a, a project type it seems like um, got great size. I'm six foot seven, uh, 285 pounds. And, and it looks like he has the athleticism to, to fill that role. Um, still a lot to learn, a lot more weight to put on um, before he's ready at the college level. But um, I, that's kind of like a Michigan pro- project, Ed Warner type of project that he likes developing these guys, getting them to add weight, spend a year in the system before they kind of um, step onto the field for, for game action. So um, yeah, the size is the first thing in, that sticks out to you in, in athleticism. Um, it's it's tough to tell when in high school too when you're you're playing against um, guys much shorter of you shorter than you and getting that good pad level and good technique when you can just overpower people with your size. Um, so it will probably be a year or two or three before you see him um, at the left tackle position for at Michigan. But uh, an intriguing prospect for sure. He's ranked. Uh, number is a 56th ranked offensive tackle in, in the country and number 662 nationally. Um, so a lower, a lower level three-star prospect with, with, with some upside. When, when I first saw, saw his, his listing is his numbers. I I thought Ryan Hayes right away. I mean, Ryan Hayes is six, seven going on 300 pounds. And he even had to bulk up a little bit um, to, mm-hmm. to get where he's at right now. But uh, Michigan's clearly recruiting a different type of uh, offensive lineman. Uh, than, than they were a few years ago. Uh, they're going for those big athletic type guys where that kind of fit more the mold of the Michigan spread offense. So it's, it's just another step in that direction. Like Zoop said, he's a three-star kid. He's got time to develop. Um, and, you know, if, if Ed Warner has shown anything, it's, it's that he can develop some of these guys and get them in the right spot. So it's, you know, while he's not ranked highly, I, I, I do think, you know, he, he can certainly be, uh, 
you know, a productive player here, you know, three, four years on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like other programs were interested in him. I mean, he had 25 scholarship offers. I mean, including like Notre Dame, Texas, Virginia, Virginia tech. I mean, so there were some big schools that still offered him. And uh, I think a lot has to do with it, with his potential and athleticism that, that a coach can see and work with and, and develop. So we'll, we'll have to see. And yeah, I mean, that's, they have the sixth ranked class nationally now, um, which, at this point is seems pretty good, but like like Aaron mentioned in his his text to subscribers the other day, uh, by the time it's all said and done, they'll probably be in the ten to fifteen range. Um, their average ranking for the players is actually lower than last year's class, which finished fourteenth. Uh, but I mean, Michigan's still in the running for for some heavily or highly ranked guys. I mean, you got Rocco Spindler, you have Donovan Edwards, um, some key in-state uh, Derek Dellinger. Um, so there's a lot of guys that are, they're still going after, which would improve their ranking. Uh, but again, at this point, it, it's tough to tell. Uh, Michigan's definitely one of the top schools for all three of those guys, but whether they land them or not, it's still still too too early to tell. It looks like their their recruitments are going to go through the summer, um, especially in Donovan Edwards and Marco Spindler's case. So we might not know for another couple months. Uh, the same is to be said for whether there will be. A, a college football season. Zook, I haven't lost my touch for the segue, by the way, since you've been gone. Um, that was good. But there, there has been there has been some news, you know, in that front, and I think we'd be remiss not to mention it. We we kind of do we touch on it at least every week, and uh, I mean, I guess that would be what <laughs> what is the latest? I mean, more restrictions being loosened here in the state of Michigan, at least. Um, and you know, Michigan's not alone. There's other states. Some are a little more, you know, a little ahead. I guess. Majority of states are ahead of Michigan as far as because given that Michigan would hit harder, um, you know, but others, you know, close behind, I would say, towards, you know, opening up more things this summer. Uh, right now, uh, here in Michigan, you can have gatherings up to 100 people. That's still the, the football team actually has more people than that. But but OK, they could still get a large chunk of their people together or at least position groups together in theory. Um, but they still want you to maintain that the social distancing guidelines, you know, six feet, wearing masks, things like that. Um, and and gyms are not still open. Now, again, I think that probably applies more to, you know, kind of public gyms that you'd be going to, you know, just as a regular person in society, as opposed to student athletes, uh, Michigan football players, as we're talking about right now, they're probably just going to follow a uh, uh, policy set by the university. And there has, still has not been much on that yet. But I, I, I mean, I would think this week or next week, we would expect to hear something from the president or, you know, uh, the university about, about where we're going with that. Is there, is there something I missed there or, or no, uh, you know, a Michigan spokesman did tell me earlier this week that the football team is in discussions with the university leadership about a potential return. What exactly that means or was re required, it's unclear at this point. Uh, but Michigan does want to try and get back here soon. Um, you know, whether whether that's a blanket, you know, announcement from the university or there maybe the university lets Michigan bring back, like you said, uh, you know, uh, in, in groups, I guess it remains to be seen. Um, the one thing I can say, I, and I have verified this with, with several people at this point, that Michigan's freshman class, the ones that aren't, that aren't enrolled at this point, they've been told to report to Ann Arbor June 15th. Um, that has not changed at this point. And, and the one common thread I've seen between some, between Michigan's announcement earlier this week that they're talking to the university about a return and in talking to these sources about the freshmen coming back is when and eventually if, you know, these, these kids do return, that the first priority will be to test them. 
Um, before they can do anything else, they'll be tested for coronavirus um, and then they kind of go from there. But it sounds like they're trying. I, I and from from a creative standpoint, I can envision Jim Harbaugh totally. Because here's the thing with Michigan stay at home or you know, the governor lifting restrictions. And while she hasn't op- allowed gyms to open, she says that athletic things can happen outdoors. You can take equipment outdoors. Yep. So I, I, I can envision a creative Jim Harbaugh sending Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach, and the players out with equipment. And instead of doing it in the weight room, they'll do it on the practice field or behind the big house if they're allowed to from the university standpoint. Um, 100% see that happening. Which isn't even a sneaky thing on his part. I mean, it is safer to be outside than inside with this. But yeah, moving all that equipment, yeah, that would be not surprising. No, it wouldn't. So they're waiting, like you said, to come down to the university, letting it happen, whether it's the the president or administration. Um, But it's clear that at this point, things are heading that way. Um, I think a fourth Big Ten school just today, Iowa, set a date for their return of their players. I think next Monday, I think it is. So now we've got Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa. I think I'm missing one. But they're, anyway, they're, they're trending that way. Rutgers is trending that way, too, with the state of New Jersey. I think they're, they're, they're going to start allowing college athletics teams to return, I think, late June. Um, so we'll see. I mean, things have to trend, obviously, better. But things have been loosened. Michigan clearly wants to get back or trying to get back. Um, it just it's just unclear what when. Aaron, when you talk to you've talked to some current players and returning players for you know various stories about how they've been working out and, and doing things on their own. Did it ever come up, you know, asking them what they think about the potential to return, if they have any fears or things like that? I mean, I just the reason I ask is because okay, the NBA there's there's it seems like their their season's coming back, and when you hear about this, there's always all right. Well, here's what the players' union is saying, and here's what the owners are, and they're negotiating. There's there's no such thing for NCAA athletes. Um, there is no there is no union. Their voices um, are kind of sometimes not silenced, not necessarily uh, at the the bargaining table, so to speak. Uh, it will be interesting to see if there's you know any college athletes are just like, yeah, I mean, I'm a competitor, but like this isn't a safe environment, and. Uh, um, you know, I'm not ready just as a person who, 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 you know, isn't comfortable going out to eat, even though the restaurants are now open. I, yeah. So I've, I've spoken to a handful of guys here in the last month or so. And, and I will say this, I, I think there's obviously concern that obviously the coronavirus is out there. They could contract it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for most of them, at least at this point on the forefront of their minds, it's, they, they want to play football again. They want to try okay. and get back to regular life. And they, you know, Quiddy Pay made the comment to me that he's never missed football this much before. So mm-hmm. I think it, and, you're, and you're starting to see not, not necessarily the whole team, but you're, you've seen some guys, you know, in that story I wrote, Quiddy's were still working out with Luigi Villain. Josh mm-hmm. Ross has joined them. Embry Thomas has joined them. So they're still kind of seeing each other and talking to one another in, in some degree. Um, but I don't think there's any large scale concern about the virus i, I, I obviously they're, they're, it's out there they, they realize that they acknowledge it um, but I, I do think they want to get back to normal or some form of normal uh sooner rather than later but again it's out of there as they they keep telling me and i ask them i asked them ad nauseum when do you think you'll get back have you heard anything and they always say it's up to the government it's up to the governor they're, and jim harbaugh said that from the go you know it's it, they're waiting on the gyms to be to reopen gyms have not been reopened at this point obviously but there are some creative ways for them to get around it. If I know Jim Harbaugh and, and his, his, you know, his leadership, he likes, he'll do things as long as they're allowed. So we'll see you know, Jim. Now Jim has said in previous interviews, he has reached out to, and he's asked for feedback from players, parents of what they think should happen mm-hmm. next, what, th- what, um, what they think, you know, should happen once the players come back in terms of testing and, and things and protocol and stuff. He hasn't developed details, but I'm curious to see if, 
maybe Michigan does some things differently than other other programs. But we'll see. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, it's they're all bite, you know, chomping at the bit, champing at the bit, whatever that reference is to, to get back at mm-hmm. it. So uh, we'll see. It sounds like Michigan's heading that way. We're, we're getting close. It's just a matter of finding the date. Absolutely. So we'll be back again next week for Rain Confidential Podcast. Mm-hmm.